0: Hello and welcome to the i3 podcast. My name is Wouter Klein and I'm the director of content for the Investment Innovation Institute. For more information about our educational forums for institutional investors, please visit our website at www.i3.com. Fred Besta, welcome to the i3 podcast. So you've set up a number of businesses and then you got into cryptocurrency. Can you tell us a little bit about what attracted you to cryptocurrency and and what you're hoping to get out of it?
1: So, you know, I I was around during the start of the internet, you know, building websites uh, with dial-up modems and... um, you know, before there was WordPress, before there was any, any of those things, and I can see the exact same patterns with cryptocurrency and blockchain happening. And to me, um, I, I I got in so early into the internet, and it took me a good seven years to build Finder to come up with the idea of Finder. Then another nine years to build Finder. But I think when you get in early and you understand how the fundamentals work, you see the patterns. And this time, I can see the patterns even faster. It just I see this as a major revolution and a major disruption of how things are done, particularly in financial services.
0: But do you look at uh, cryptocurrencies as uh, a potential new way that everybody will use to pay going forward? Or do you look at more as an investment? I, I mean, you, you have the comparison side where you put up the prices and um, y- you talk about which ones might take off, which ones might not. But that very much almost looks like looking at the stock market. So how do you look at a cryptocurrency? Is it is it a store of value? Is it an investment? Or is it a, just a way of payment?
1: So, so I think um, there are obviously multiple different uh, use cases for cryptocurrencies um, in and of themselves. So some are, like you said, store of values like Bitcoin. Some are like, I think, more angling to become the, 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 the currency of the internet or even, you know, branching past the internet. So like Nano, where it's free to transfer. It's instant. Um, it's super, super fast. And it's amazing. You've got other ones like Ethereum or EOS, which are protocols. So they're sort of smart contract platforms so people can build, like Commonwealth Bank built using the Ethereum blockchain. Like SGX, so the Singapore Stock Exchange is using Ethereum to uh, do their clearinghouse. And, and, and these are platforms where uh, I guess smart contracts will enable uh, people to build what's called a decentralized organization or a decentralized uh, supercomputer that's in, in the cloud. And it just executes regardless of anything. Um, and it's all open. Everyone can see exactly what it's going to do. Um, and, and, and I guess the value of that part is it's decentralized. In other words, it's like BitTorrent. You can't shut it down. You can't shut down BitTorrent because all the nodes are everywhere. Once you shut down one, there's a thousand more everywhere else. And and that creates a very, very interesting computer system. Uh, and there's all sorts of series of other ones. I guess in terms of looking at that from an investment perspective, you need to have counsel and advice and understanding from people who understand technology, people who understand finance, and people who understand, I guess, marketing. I, I think that's the intersection here. And that's why for me, that's there are three things I'm very, very strong at and that's why I got into this whole space in the first place, um, is that I can see the hype, I can see what's real from an internet business, I can understand the technology, and we've been in finance for a very long time. Um, if you take in your portfolio and if you do some analysis, there's a paper written by Grayscale, if you add 1%, uh, you know, 3 and 5% cryptocurrency into your portfolio from an efficient frontier perspective, it actually is completely uncorrelated with anything. Uh, and 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 you would actually perform outperform a portfolio without cryptocurrency in it um because you know if you've picked a currency or say you bought a whole of us dollars a whole lot of one or whatever it may be and it just tanks cryptocurrency right now is not correlated to that and it has its own set of uh, dimensions and obviously it's quite small now and as it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger over time you know it gets into the trillions and many trillions of dollars Of value, it's going to correlate probably with some other things. Those correlations aren't established yet. And so right now, from an investment perspective, I think it's an area to, um, I guess, get some different correlation to a new asset class.
0: Yeah. Well, correlations are, of, of course, very important. And I think the holy grail is always to find something that's uncorrelated to equities or bonds. But often what I find is that when I speak to some of the institutional investors that we deal with, is that they find it very hard to determine a value for a cryptocurrency because they say there are no fundamentals. There's no intrinsic value. It's just purely what the market says it's worth. That also means that the correlations could change. They could become positive, negative. They could vary. Um, how do you deal with that stability issue?
1: I guess that's a very um, you know I guess a, a high level view uh, if you're looking from the outside in. If you if you go on the inside and look out. It's actually quite quite simple. You look at number of wallets, you look at number of transactions for a cryptocurrency or a blockchain. Um, you take those correlate, you take those numbers, and then you look at it as to how much there is circulating supply, and you can work out an estimated value of that cryptocurrency to some extent. And then you can look at other things. See, this is why it's different this time: is that you can't just look at just the numbers. It's not just finance. You got to look at the tech as well. And the tech is you to look at the technology stack. You got to look at the social accounts. You got to look at like, are the is this blockchain actually being developed and continuously being evolved, and is it actually being improved upon continuously, or is this just you know an idea from the outside? And that's what most people would look at when they were looking at internet stocks, right? Were they they were just investing blindly? Uh, ...in the beginning and had no idea but actually under what was going on. This time, that's all open. That's public. To me, equities are completely disconnected as well from their intrinsic value. Why is that? Uh, there are companies that don't make a profit. Like Virgin Airlines hasn't made a profit. And somehow that company is worth money. Like I don't understand. Like it's flying airplanes, losing more money than most small businesses that sell fish and chips and literally it's worth millions and millions of dollars. Like I get it, and it's like, oh, the future potential value. My, my submission to you is that that game is already happening in, and there is completely no connection to intrinsic value at all in the market. It's a market, and that's what that's what happens, right? Markets are priced in, in such a way. I think if you wanna unpack what are the technologies that are gonna actually get up and grow in, in, in uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency, that's essentially what people are betting on right now. That's what they are investing in. They're like, I'm I'm investing in the thousands of Ethereum developers every day building a blockchain to build a supercomputer that will, yeah, you don't need to worry about trust. It's immutable. It is decentralized. In other words, it can't be shut down. That is a new concept that has never been done in humanity's time. And so, so investing in that, and, and that ecosystem, that's really what you've got to understand. You're investing in an ecosystem. You're not investing in a, like a, a stock or a share. You're investing in something and you can't own this. No one's running this thing. This is decentralized. But owning the, the demand for that, blockchain and the demand for that cryptocurrency is what you're buying into so you need to choose carefully and you need to have lots of counsel and that's I guess what we do we provide that counsel.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned that element of technology uh, that, that, that's so important to this space it also makes me think technology moves so quickly and you look at Bitcoin and then Ethereum and Ethereum in my understanding has some more capabilities in terms of smart contracts what is the danger that a lot of these cryptocurrencies very quickly become obsolete because the technology keeps evolving.
1: We, we think about that a lot, you know, whereas they talk about layers of blockchains, right? So these new new generation protocols, which are attempting to be essentially um, faster, more transactions, you know, everyone's trying to beat Visa, basically, process more. And then you've got to beat Alibaba, so you to do 230,000 transactions a second. That's, that's a lot, right? You know, Ethereum does about eight, yeah. Uh, Bitcoin does about you know two or three. Yeah. Um, and like that's all that's that that's understandable. But what they what you what you've got is solutions which are called layer two. That's a layer one, which is immutable. In other words, Bitcoin's been running for nine years, publicly available, open source code, never been hacked. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's never been done. For, that's like oh, IBM opening up their source code and going, yeah, come and try and hack us never going to happen right no (laughs) that's the reality of what actually is going on here and that's that's a miracle that is a that is that is what you're investing in so what they've what you've done what they're starting to see is you've got layer two and layer three technologies being built upon those layer one real strong immutable strong um technologies right and 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 other technology will probably plug into them and eventually sort of hedge or, or, or sort of i guess log that transaction finally in that blockchain, which is slow. For example, you know, you think about the telephone, that didn't really change that much. I guess, yeah, there was analog packets and there was digital packets and that too. That was like a, a small improvement, right? Mm-hmm. I guess it did really improve international dialing and things like that. And then you've got another thing like TCP/IP on the internet. There are like a million other better solutions than TCP/IP, and we could run the internet so much faster. But, you know, it's working and everyone's cool about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. so we did recently a uh, a luncheon where we asked uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia to give their view on cryptocurrencies. And they weren't too impressed. So part of their argument was that the technology in terms of the finance space and the payment space is already there. So they gave the example, they launched a new payment platform. They said it will make um, payments almost in real time possible. Um, there is relatively little activity within australia in terms of uh, cryptocurrencies so they said well we already have digital or electronic forms of of payments we don't need a cryptocurrency what do you think about that
1: so i'd be really really anti anything taking my job <laughs> um you know i'd be really really trying to find every single thing to undermine the future of something which is gonna take your job like I'd be pretty angry about it as well I get it the the idea like NPP is great and all but the NPP hasn't been adopted and um, by all sorts of banks and there's all sorts of barriers to to getting that going and that took a very very long time to get up and running Um, I think it's great and it's it's good and all but the major problem with the NPP is you don't have your money you don't actually if you go to a bank right now go to an ATM and try and pull out all your money or even go to the bank and say, I want, I want, you know, a hundred grand, they'll tell you to go away and come back tomorrow. Hmm. Because the, if everyone went and did that right now, they couldn't actually give you the money. And that's the whole premise of cryptocurrency is that if any system, any financial system, and and, and, and you gotta look look away from Australia and the US and the UK in general, that they're relatively stable. Um, look at like um, countries like Zimbabwe, uh, like for example, if you invested, a million bucks at the start of Bitcoin in 2009 in Venezuelan dollars, you'd have about two bucks right now, Yeah, realistically. Whereas if you bought Bitcoin, you'd probably have $430 you know, million. That's, that's sort of the, the rough numbers, just to give you a high level. Mm. There are lots of places apart from Australia, and, and, and the RBA do a great job of keeping keeping the economy stable. I think it's great and all. But realistically, what the, the hedge and the problem is, is if one of those banks or one of the countries, if they don't, and there has been times when Australia hasn't done a good job, you don't actually have your money. And then you go to the bank and they, they can't give it to you. That, uh, and, you know, in the US and all throughout time, this has happened. Every currency starts at zero and goes to zero. Like you can't go to Rome right now and pull out like a, an old Roman coin and say, hey, can I get some, um, can I get some uh, you know, denario." No, it's worth zero dollars now, right? Yeah, and that's that's a fact. That's just just a, a, a classical fact about civilization. Um, I guess the, um, the the major challenge for me with with um, the Reserve Bank is the number of intermediaries and the the number of challenges. For example, it's not just NPP, but that's all good. Well, for local transactions, but if you want to send money from here to your friend in Holland. Mm-hmm. In cryptocurrency, that's going to take you, you know, eight minutes. Whereas if you want to do that through the NPP or whatever system, Swift, that is going to go through six or seven people. You're going to get all sorts of slices along the way. And you're not actually going to have your money. You're going to have to go and wait another four days to go and get it. That's a great system that used to be cool, but it's 2018 now. And that's the the kind of thing that the Reserve Bank needs to actually go past their job and their local view of the market and look up a bit and realize what the metatrend meta world is actually trying to change and what is going to come and affect them whether they like it or not
0: mm. but there are some practical uh, um, stumbling blocks still so the, um Tony Richards, who is the head of payment policy at the RBA, he, he gave this example. And he has a Bitcoin wallet for, I think, five or seven years or however long it's been running, just to keep an eye on what it is. And he said, the only thing I could do with it is buy a cup of coffee at one retail outlet. And it's not a very practical form of, of payment yet. And then he sort of gave the example, even at some of the cryptocurrency conferences, you can't actually pay your attendance in cryptocurrency. So is that just, do you see that there's just thieving problems or or is there a real issue there?
1: I don't know if Tony uses Google, but if he just types in, you know, retail stores now, Microsoft accepts cryptocurrency, overstock.com accepts cryptocurrency just because Australia stores, um, you know, this is, it took like, how long did it take to get banks to the point now that they have internet payments and EFT? Well like hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years to be able to do what they're doing today. And you're looking at a technology which is nine years old and expecting it to do what a bank has done for hundreds and hundreds of years. That to me is like basically the, the, that's short-sighted and the exact poor thinking that will lead Australian banking and the Australian economy to always be a second if not third poor cousin to every other economy around the world. That's, that's a fact. We never do anything apart from, uh, like, we're not, we're not going to do an ETF. We're not going to do anything with this technology before anyone else does because we're too scared. And, 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 and fundamentally, that's great for security and stability. But unfortunately, it means that we're always going to be eventually turned up to the tail end and back end of the financial economy. That's just a fact.
0: Yeah. We, we, we spoke a little bit about the ecosystem around the cryptocurrencies. And... Um, not that long ago, uh, um, one of the big sovereign wealth funds in Singapore was in the news, GIC, and they supported an early funding round for uh, a producer of cryptocurrency mining chips, uh, Bitmain. So they basically take an indirect exposure to this sector by investing in the hardware companies and, and the suppliers to to this industry. Do you think that makes more sense or than to invest directly in a cryptocurrency to go for companies that you, you can sort of see what's on their balance sheet, you can see their assets, and you get a more potentially um, stable investment that way? You know,
1: I think um, that's, a, that's a good way to take an approach, you know, take exposure. There are, I think there are index funds coming up as well. You know, you can invest in NVIDIA electricity companies that are specifically targeting this as well i think there's all sorts of special ways you can you know take exposure to this market this is a the only thing here is this would be betting that in this case these chips are for proof of work which is a specific type of mining and that type of mining is great for bitcoin and ethereum but there are a lot of um talks right now of ethereum forking away from that and actually using proof of stake where you don't actually mine the coin with proof of work all of this technology and all of these ideas is playing out right now so whether or not it's a great investment is very 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 hard to determine because essentially you're gambling on or, or taking a position on either bitcoin which i do think would potentially stay always as proof of work and i think bitcoin will last like for at least it's got 2146 is when the last bitcoin gets mined just to give you context right this is a long 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 term campaign and then it will continue on um that assumes that proof of work will stay around from there most of the new coins they don't use this kind of technology um and they're sort of pivoting away from that i think it's a really interesting place but they're gonna have to um they're gonna have to pivot with cryptocurrency if they can do that successfully then yes i think it's a good way to do it i think high level taking a position um, on. You know what I call this is picks and shovels. So the people that are facilitating, um, you know, the market and and what's 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 being what's taking place here, I think it's great. I don't know whether um, this proof of work uh, style will. I, I I'd say I'd give that sixty percent yes, forty percent no. <laughs> okay that's very specific excellent
0: talking about miners there, there is a story that goes around that you have bitcoin miners in your office is that true it's true, it's I, can true. Show, I can show you them downstairs actually we they? switch them to ethereum <laughs> right now okay right
1: yeah, we're in a way making money while we sleep
0: so okay so but why why do you have them in place
1: i want to know what what it means mm-hmm. um whenever i've made investments and i build businesses i personally go and do and get the thing that is going on to understand exactly the technology. Um, So, you know, Finder as a business, I put my own money in and all the things that we've ever done, I want to underpick it and understand it exactly what's going on. So as much as it's going to make some money, I don't think it's super profitable, but it's um, it teaches you why and what this is exactly.
0: Mm. We we spoke a little bit earlier about um, whether d- part of this is a generational thing. And you mentioned, you know, who would invest in a miner these days? That's not what millennials are at- attracted to. And I, I came upon some research in, in the U.S. that said um, 21 out of uh, the top uh, 50 uh, U.S. universities offer some sort of blockchain or cryptocurrency related class. And at the same time, 18% of students own some form of cryptocurrency. How do you look at that? Is, is this really a generational thing? Or, are people understanding this better as millennials?
1: You know, um, I think it's like teaching your grandmother to use internet banking. Um, so, you know, the generation that are investing and how they know how to invest and what they invest in and they've been from an industrialization era and or even post-industrialization where you build stuff and you dig stuff up from the ground and then you manufacture it and then you sell it to people and you market it and all the supply chain that goes involved with that a lot of those people you know they they're not going to invest in the in the latest technology and it feels like exactly like when people i remember when no one would invest in car sales or realestate.com.au I remember when no one would buy Google shares. I remember like that was like a dangerous thing to do. Who would buy Amazon shares? At the start, yes, yeah, so then it just crashed down. They did do the exact same graph as Bitcoin, really, right? It's the exact same thing. It's it's someone who's grown up with a certain technology and grown up with a certain way of living and a certain understanding of the entire ecosystem. Then you feel comfortable investing. Some people just invest, they just sort of punted it, right? But people who are actually thinking about their investments, they, they like to invest in things which they understand. and. You know, most people just—they just don't understand how blockchain works. They don't understand like a lot of the you know the questions we've been talking about. They don't understand a cryptocurrency. Like, how can this possibly exist? How can this possibly be a store of value? Um, and and I get that. That's that's cool. Um, I guess it's 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 really interesting that I think there are a lot. I genuinely think there are a lot of young people who have like quite literally millions of dollars right now from their investments in cryptocurrency. Um, And they're sitting there going, uh, like they're not really sure what to do with it to some (laughs) extent, right? Um,
0: that's a luxury issue.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they would know how else to invest. Yeah, you know, and they've seen they've been proven, and they're friends, and they've talked yeah. about their friends, and they know a friend that knows a friend. Yeah, you know, you've got word of mouth spreading that's,
0: it. That's true, but at the same time, you know, for all the success stories, there have been also a lot of train wrecks along the way. So you mentioned in the beginning, nobody wanted to invest in Google or Amazon, um, but there's also plenty of internet companies that didn't work. And when we talk about investing, you know. Some way or another, somebody will always bring up Warren Buffett, so I'll bring up Warren Buffett. And he looked at his issue um, of of technology and how to deal with new uh, um, business models and innovation. And he brought up the rise of the the invention of the car. And when the car was just starting to become practical to be produced, there were thousands of car companies that uh, came up and in the end, perhaps a handful have survived. And so his comment was, the best thing to do then was not invest in the car company, but to go short horses, because that was a certainty. Horses were not going to be the mode of transport going forward. So in that sense, yes, we, c- we can talk about all the success stories, but there will be a lot of companies that will never make it along the way as well. 100%. So these, these, these people that made millions of dollars, to what degree were they lucky?
1: Are oh, they just early? Um, Cryptocurrency is an accumulation game. It's just about accumulate more of everything. Uh, when it's really, really cheap and everyone's freaking out, but actually the developers are working on something and eventually it will be a product. You know, and you're the one who's been buying it up really, really, really cheap. They're the people who win. Um, it's belief. It's it's really comes down to credo at this point in time. You know, ideologically, Bitcoin shouldn't have started. It's illogical <laughs> that you would send me something and I consider it to be of value. That's insane. That's like me giving you a piece of plastic and you accepting that it's worth fifty or a hundred dollars or a piece of paper. That's insane, and that's what people would have done in the, in the beginning, right? But I think, in the same sense, if you look at that, you know, this, this, I think with Warren Buffett, he's taken a, you'd be, he, he's taken a risk analysis on that, and yeah, you'd probably be better off. Going short on horses. So what would I go short on now? I'd short the ASX, <laughs> right? You know, I'd short. Um, you know, banks could be under a lot of pressure. Um, I think that um, there are a, a lot of uh, businesses which are very, very acute and, and 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 close to this that are going to get heavily disrupted. Potentially even law firms to some extent um, with smart contracts. And although it would create a whole new set of lawyers and things like that that are technologist lawyers to some extent. Um I think that there are so many cryptocurrency exchanges now that are so even so robust and so fast and smooth to deal with that securities, which will be tokenized, will will move towards them and the ASX will look like like a fax machine. Um so that that's that's sort of if I was going to make an analogy there. I think if you were looking at what companies to bet on, sure you know, he's saying of the thousand or five hundred automobile companies that that, that sprouted up, you—it's almost impossible. It's like trying to pick the Melbourne Cup winner, right? There's too many horses in it. Yes. Um. In the same way, there's 1,600 cryptocurrencies. To some extent, you—you know—it's going to be a hard bet to figure out what what to go for. Mm. And, and and to some extent, I agree. But you know, that comes down to again the. Incredible investors are out there that that have made those picks. And and I think maybe there is some luck in that, no doubt about it. You have to be slightly crazy to, to believe in fantasial thinking like let's get a let's get a metal tin can and put a rocket behind it and fly it from one place to another. That's insane. That's that's called crazy. Like back in the day, right? But now that's normal. And I think but that's the kind of thinking that changes things. And if you like Warren Buffett, he does invest in ideas that have moats and things like that. He's a very defensive investor, which is cool. But if you want to be an aggressive investor, you need to back founders, you need to back people who have visions and ability and proven track records that can do those kind of things. Like if you bought Binance Coin, which is a huge cryptocurrency exchange in the in the ICO, you'd probably be, you'd know, you you'd, you'd be flying, you'd be super happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. If, if we can do a bit of uh, crystal ball gazing and extend where cryptocurrencies could go and and, and where society could go in terms of these payments. Um, We've been thinking a lot about cash and societies becoming cashless. And I think there's a couple of good examples of that. Uh, You see in China where uh, through the platforms of WeChat and um, these QR codes, pretty much in the space of three years, there's large areas where they don't use cash anymore. So I was talking to uh, one of the investors that um, he is from China, from Shanghai, hadn't been back for a while, and he visited his family, went to a food court, and he wanted to pay with cash. And they said, well, you can give us cash, but we don't have any change back, so you're better off paying with you know, your phone, which is quite an extreme transition in a short period of time. And in Europe, you also see now the Central Bank of Sweden thinking maybe we should issue uh, an electronic version of our currency in e-crona because they are already at a stage where they use a lot less cash than a lot of other countries do. So it might make sense uh, with them. They're exploring at the moment a potential electronic currency on the back of the IOTA cryptocurrency. Um, There's no decision made there. But you can see sort of trends where people are moving away from physical cash Is that sort of the logical extension of cryptocurrencies, or is that just a way too simple way of to to think about this?
1: You know, I think a cryptocurrency could be a global currency. You know, you're still probably going to have these nation-state currencies because nations want to control the 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 most important thing for them is that you pay your tax in that currency. Otherwise, they don't they don't have a reason to exist. And I think the nation-state in and of itself is under extreme duress and pressure as to what is its relevance going forward. That's a massive, another trend and issue that's happening right now. Um, I think the, um, the ability of, of definitely a cryptocurrency to be adopted, I don't think a government would ever do that because they'll lose, again, their tax payments. But it could be paired with, it'll easily, again, be paired if they launch a cryptocurrency with Bitcoin and all those kind of things. And that will spur the value and usage of those things even further, because um, people will just go, oh, you know, I'll take a little bit of exposure in these and you may not, you know, you know, I guess it's right now in terms of investing, um, it, it would be, it's very obviously prudent to, to, this is a super volatile class. It's insanely speculative right now. But, um, you know, it is something which is, again, might be something which could be included in a portfolio to some extent right now. And I think over time, a lot of that would be clearer. Just so, so, so fledgling and early. I do think central government's, We'll move to digital money because fundamentally, all the problems and people talk about—you know—all the problems with cryptocurrencies being involved with money laundering and all those kind of things. Most money laundering doesn't happen through cryptocurrency. Most money laundering happens through cash, mm-hmm. and just like like Commonwealth Bank right now is pretty much in more hot water than you could imagine when it comes to those kind of things. And it's interesting that that's, that's happened, right? I'm not denying that there is probably some sort of laundering going on, but that's something which is completely, you know, just because it's um, it, it's very hard to stain an entire industry and in technology with some of the best developers trying to do some of the most incredible things and, and, and create a new future around this with that because they're not involved with, they're not money launderers. They're not trying to launder things. I think what's, what's more interesting is that in fact, the opposite will take place because you can now track the money with the blockchain. You can do co- you can do chain analysis and see where the money's come from. And coins, for example, when um, a big drug bust went down with Silk Road, the DOG went to sell those coins because a huge amounts of cryptocurrency was found. And when they went to sell the coins, those coins had a premium. And the reason for that is that they are now clean because they are now cleaned by the, you know, the. Right. Yep. The DOJ. And um, that's really interesting, right? And you can see that and people know that. I think, you know, in terms of creating a, a, a national currency, I think has huge advantages because it's all logged.
0: Yeah. So what's uh, in store for you next with cryptocurrencies? I, I, I saw a story that you're planning on launching an Australian cryptocurrency bank. Is that true?
1: Yeah, so we we we've been working very hard to open bank accounts for people who are involved in blockchain and cryptocurrency. They've, they're almost impossible to, for them to get bank accounts, and we've established an AML KYC process that allows them to do that. Um, um, and 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 we've we've helped people get banks bank accounts, which are trying to conduct legitimate businesses. Um, we're working very very hard on, on uh, our what we call a treasury management service. So essentially, a lot of these, a lot of companies and a lot of ICOs. They launch, they have a lot of developers and they have all this money and all this cryptocurrency and it's super volatile. And what we help them is advise and consult them on where to put that money, how much of it to put into cryptocurrency, what cryptocurrency to put them in, how much to put into cash, opening the bank account, and just basically taking care of the money so they can get on building their project. Um, and then I guess the bank is helping us in terms of facilitating uh, some new services as well. we we'll providing like insurance, so protecting your price of your bitcoin or your, your cryptocurrencies you have uh, custodianship are holding the assets keeping them safe uh, and there's a whole series of other services we're looking at right now um, which is really really exciting um, and um, yeah we've got a, we've got a lot of interest worldwide right now around this
0: it, it, it almost sounds that it goes full circle back though because the cryptocurrency sort of came into existence because you wanted to own your own money. You didn't want to be beholden to a bank. Now we come back to a bank that holds the cryptocurrency through a custodian. Is that Does that mean that it will only appeal to a certain slice of cryptocurrency users or is this a way of mainstreaming it?
1: Yeah, you can definitely have your own solution to storing your money, uh, your cryptocurrency, and there's lots of ledgers and hardware wallets out there. Um, This is more, I guess, designed to be potentially for institutions. Uh, So we have some uh, Fortune 100 uh, tech companies uh, who have modified uh, core banking hardware technology that runs banks that just basically has never been hacked uh, and worked with them to modify that into a cryptocurrency storage um, system. And what we're looking to do is uh, provide that custodianship to institutions because it's it's hard, they're scared. You know, you're holding, you know, multi, multi-million dollars of cryptocurrency and, you know, we, we traded uh, 10 million US in 20 minutes the other day and, right. we, and we didn't move the price. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we, we help people buy and sell, obviously, large volumes and managing that sum and managing the, the security around that is is a... Um, the process, you
0: know. yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the other day that, that uh, the trading of, of block trades in cryptocurrency is, is now also starting to take off and services are being offered. Do you see that as a, a, a wider adoption of the cryptocurrency?
1: Yeah, I think people want to, you know, take exposure or they want to sell down. And, and, and anytime, you know, it's the same with, with um, uh, uh, shares, right? They go to, you know, uh, companies like Hivex, but instead. Um, they go to, you know, Goldman Sachs say, and they, uh, you know, and they go, Hey, I need to sell $2 million of ANZ shares Hmm. and, 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 and selling $2 million of ANZ shares is a little bit spicy, you know, or 200 million, even, you know, you need to take certain steps in order to make that happen. Um, and that's, that's just a service, which I think is, is, arrived. And I think over time, um, yeah, that is definitely showing more and more interest in, very big investments and very big positions that people are taking. And right now, you know, the market's down, but it's really started to show signs of recovering, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like we found potentially this new bottom. Uh, and I just want to talk a little bit about that. I think it's important to, to, to give context in, in terms of people thinking about, you know, this is the big bubble and then that's, that's it. The context on there, I think what people need to look back in time is is if you zoom in on prices, there have been six bubbles in Bitcoin right? with just as big a rises. Like it used to be 10 bucks and it went up to $240. That's 24 times your money in like two months. Mm-hmm. And they called that a bubble. Then it happened again, it went to a thousand bucks and it went to again and then $10,000. This is just the sixth time. And right now what you've got is an exponential increase in the number of developers, an exponential increase in the number of people holding cryptocurrency an understanding of it this next bubble is going to make this previous one look literally like a speed hump. <laughs>
0: All right. so it's very much uh, uh watch this space uh going forward yeah
1: I definitely i'm i'm I, i'm bullish at all prices right now i'm like this is this is incredible
0: yeah yeah very interesting well fred thank you very much for your time and for this conversation it was very interesting And uh, we'll keep an eye on what you're doing with the Australian Bank.
1: Thanks so much, Rudo. And thanks so much for listening, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to the i3 podcast. For more information, please visit www.i3-invest.com. Thank you very much.